Hello, we're Gail and Claire, co-founders of Peopletopia. Welcome to our podcast, Brilliant Bosses. Peopletopia was set up with a very simple principle. No one deserves a rubbish boss. Having experienced this ourselves, we know what a difference it makes to employ productivity, well-being, and ultimately, company profitability. We'll talk about our experiences of brilliant bosses and the things that they do well, with loads of takeaways to help you to get the best from the people that you work with. We will tell you some theory about the topics that we cover, but mostly we'll be giving you practical hints and tips that you can take away to help you to be brilliant. Welcome to this Brilliant Bosses podcast. This time our subject is, why are some bosses so useless? And how can I be a brilliant one? So I reckon that pretty much every person I speak to can tell me about an awful boss that they've had. Lots and lots and lots of people. But not everyone can tell me about a brilliant boss they had too. So it might be quite interesting to see if we can pin down what makes the difference. Is there a simple way of defining the actions of the brilliant bosses and separate them out from the useless ones? What about starting with some stats? There are loads and loads and loads and loads of stats about the importance of managers or bosses and that boss relationship. Um, Here are just a few highlights. So much quoted, according to Gallup, 50% of people have left a job because of their boss. So I'm just going to repeat that. Half of all people have left a job directly because of their boss. That is a truly shocking number of people. Um, furthermore, in a study featured by the Harvard Business Review, and this is from 2018, 75% of people in their survey said that the most stressful aspect of their job was their immediate boss. And I just, I, I mean, that statistic beggars belief for me. Your boss is the person that you're meant to go to, to be able to support you, to help you, to make your life easier, quite frankly. But 75% of their respondents said that their boss was their most stressful aspect of their job. I don't know why I'm laughing. It's awful. Um, In a recent CIPD report, 58% of employees with lower performing managers would rather sit on their hands than make suggestions to innovate or improve quality. So it's impacting the way we feel, the amount of stress that we have. And it's impacting your business and whether it grows and gets better or whether people just give up and leave. And that's really ridiculous. And I love the fact that you repeated that stack because it is so widely out there and people just trot it out. And actually, that's really significant that 50 percent of people, half the workforce have left a job because of their boss. Mm. So really, really alarming stats there. Mm. And I think even if you just think of it from a, a cost of recruitment point of view if you want to make this business and and finance focused that's a colossal cost to any business if you're losing people just because that boss relationship is problematic well the most recent stat i've read on that is it it costs about thirty thousand to recruit someone into a business in terms of induction and recruitment costs and getting them up to speed so if you think about losing people needlessly that is a massive cost to the business you're absolutely right Mm, yeah so you can boil it right down to that and I think a lot of people quote that old phrase all people join companies but leave managers but I mean it's, it's trotted out all the time but actually it's still true the boss relationship's a really critical one and it can make or break your experience in an organization so a good boss or a bad boss is the difference between that horrid Sunday night fear or Monday morning enthusiasm
Sunday night fear is an awful thing. It saps your energy, it diminishes your resilience, and it makes everything so hard. Have you ever experienced it, Gail? I have. I've been really lucky on the one hand. I've had some amazing, amazing managers, but I did have one manager who I did experience that with, and it was awful. It just takes up your whole weekend. It's not even the Sunday night fear, actually, sometimes. It's kind of marring your whole weekend, and you can just feel that sense of dread growing and the sense of anxiety that starts, and it's awful. It is awful. It mars your whole weekend. Mm, it's terrible and it's really common to experience something like this so the sad experience or the sad part of that experience is that half the time the boss that's causing that awful sense of not wanting to be at work either doesn't realize that they're doing it or they choose not to realize that they're doing it um i had a boss who was dismissed for gross misconduct so i think we can say that they were pretty rubbish um but interestingly, when their negative behaviours became really problematic, initially the, jo- the the team kind of joined together. We actually became a bit closer for a while because we wanted to get on and we wanted to turn things around in spite of our boss. So it sounds like it could have been a positive experience in a way. Mm, yeah, I'm not sure I can call that boss a positive experience, but the problem was, so that worked initially, but we were almost united against the boss in the end. And the problem was that long term, those behaviours became so overwhelming that we lost any energy or enthusiasm that we might have been able to rally. We all realised that we had no chance of developing or progressing and that in the long term, our own reputations are going to get a negative impact as having been part of such a failing team. So what kind of behaviours and things did you see and experience? Where to start? Um, Asking several people to do the same piece of work. So we were all frustrated. You'd work and find out someone else had already done it. Passing off other people's work as their own, which is an absolute no-no. A real blaming and finger pointing when things went wrong. And that came directly from the boss. We would Uh, you know the team would come together to defend one another but it was the boss that would be the you know kind of finger pointing changing direction right at the last minute with little justification on a regular basis you know you'd start a piece of work thinking there's not much point in focusing on this because I know that the decision will be different next week someone who's very reactive unpredictable aggressive I could go on (laughs) it sounds really miserable Yeah, it was. It was awful. Um, And as I said, initially as a team, we actually started communicating better, uh, checking in on who'd been asked to do what so that we were avoiding wasted efforts. We'd follow up everything in writing with that boss so that we had an audit trail. But it's exhausting trying to second guess what that boss is going to do, trying to cover your back with every decision that's been made and prove what had been said in the past. And then you start to lose good people without good reason. And it's a sign that things are really going terribly wrong. So it might be worth reviewing some of those negative behaviours. So this is our awful boss summary. Not giving credit where it's due and taking the credit for other people's work. Not supporting people. Being aggressive or unpredictable. Your team feeling that they need to pick their time to chat to you. So you're on a high instead of a low. Poor communication in general. Creating a blame culture where there's that not that sense of safety that you can admit to mistakes and instead it's a finger pointing culture 
and a lack of clarity over direction and goals. And we know that that has a real link to how engaged employees are. If I can see a really clear direction and goal and not that constantly one day we're doing something, one day, one day we're doing something else, that really, really helps to make an awful boss, that lack of clarity. I love those. Mm. And I think actually that that lack of clarity over goals, it seems like such a simple thing, but it, it makes you feel really at risk because you don't know how to please your boss. You don't yeah. know how to get it right because they haven't been very clear about what they're expecting you to do. So it's it seems like a really small thing. And we're always talking about setting clear goals, but without them, you're just kind of wading through the mud hoping to find a bit of clarity but it does make you feel quite at risk I think. I think the really important thing to remember is that poor management doesn't just affect the workplace like you were saying Gail um, you know it impacts it was impacting your weekend um, people do take those concerns home with them it impacts confidence motivation energy um, if you have a boss relationship that's not working, it can have a really detrimental effect on your mental health and well-being. And I absolutely believe that if you are going to take a role that involves managing people, you 100% have to commit to making that experience the best that it can be for those people. It is a fundamental and completely critical part of the job. We do often have people on our training courses, Claire, who we call accidental managers. So who've been promoted because they're doing a brilliant job that might be technical or whatever, but they're doing a brilliant job. And suddenly they're made a people manager. And I think you're right. At that point, you become a people manager and you accept that job. You have a fundamental responsibility to make sure because of the impact that you can have on your team, that you are doing the best by them and learning new skills and techniques and how to be the best boss that you can be. Mm. You, you don't have to be brilliant at everything straight away. It's, it's that desire to learn and to be a better manager or a better boss that I think that's what discerns the difference between those who end up being good bosses and those that don't. So having gone down a bit of a depressing route so far <laughs> talking about awful bosses, can we turn it around for a bit and talk about the good bosses? Think about the best boss you've ever had. What did they do that was different from the awful one that you were talking about earlier? Yeah, uh, it was a totally different experience. I think we can say that, thank goodness. Um, this boss was really focused on our team, delivering great results. So they were really, really results focused. They weren't some kind of soft, fluffy, I'm all for the people. It was about results, but it was the way that they did it that was different. They were not out for themselves and the glory that they could get. They wanted us to do well collectively. And it seemed that they felt that the team performance was a reflection of their efforts. So if things were going wrong, they would, rather than who the hell did that? Why did you do it? What a stupid thing to do. They would problem solve and go, okay, so what went wrong? What can we learn from it? What do I need to do differently? How do I support you better? So it's this sense of, if you're not performing, it's a reflection on me. Um, and I think that that really, really made the difference. They were completely invested in our success as a collective rather than themselves. So in comparison to what we heard earlier, this sounds like a really positive experience. Yeah, yeah, it was. Looking back, it was. At the time, it wasn't always a walk in the park. I'll be honest about that. It was actually quite tough sometimes. So why do you see it as a positive experience? What was tough about it? Um, 
I would say it's positive because it was tough for the right reasons. So that boss expected me to do well. They pushed me. They gave me difficult and challenging things to do. And at times I did feel as though I was under significant pressure and I didn't find that easy at the time. That I guess part of the difference was I really wanted to please this boss because I respected them. And that, you know, that meant that it was a different kind of pressure. And um, there was one pivotal moment that really turned things around for me. And I had a conversation with this boss where they told me that they thought I had real potential, that I was really valued and that I could do something really positive and significant for the team. And I had never seen myself that way. Um, to know that someone I respected so much felt that I had potential was revolutionary and even more so that they noticed that was the moment to tell me they could see that I was struggling and they chose that moment to, to really fill me with confidence that totally turned around my experience. It's interesting isn't it because that one moment from that one amazing boss has kind of changed how you see yourself and how you changed your career and that's what we're talking about the impact that a brilliant boss can have in mm. terms of growth and career development and confidence for somebody yeah I mean I was gutted when they left yeah. just because I felt like I was learning from them every day I was learning something either about myself or a new skill or a different way of looking at things just from a well-posed question or a challenge about how I was doing things so I was gutted when they left because they were brilliant so we've worked with literally hundreds of managers and leaders over the past 12 years or so what are the behaviors that we see make people brilliant bosses mm. um I wish that we could make a really simple list of do these 10 things and you'll be a brilliant boss because we would be millionaires. Um, but there are some things that really discern that difference. And my first one is that sense of commitment to people um, that you don't have to arrive in the job as a brilliant boss. You have to want to be one um, and you have to want to be one because you're making this a brilliant experience for your people. So committing to um doing what you need to do to make their experience an excellent one and to bring out the best in people, I think is fundamental to being a brilliant boss. What about, what about you? What would you add? I, I think you're absolutely right. So I had a, a cohort of about 12 managers on a training course the other day, um, asked them what they wanted to get out of the course. And the generic response was, I want to be the best I can be to help the people I'm working with. Mm -hmm. And we did have a conversation about that because I thought if you do nothing else, actually wanting to do the best by somebody and giving a damn and caring about the individuals who work for you is about 50% of the way there, isn't it? Yeah. So if you make mistakes in your role as a manager and no one is perfect, if you make mistakes, if you actually care and give a damn about your team, they are a lot more likely to forgive you and to still feel engaged and motivated than a, a rubbish boss who actually can't be bothered and not do the not wanting to do the best for their team so mm. I absolutely agree with you I think that's a massive start a real kind of commitment to your people and wanting to be the best manager you can be mm. I, I I agree and I, th I think that the other one for me is this sense of um consistency or reliability or predictability I'm not sure what the right word is but that sense that you know a steady mood I can show that I'm happy or that I'm unhappy with something but no one on my team should ever have to worry about picking a moment to give me bad news um, they should just be able to come and say Claire I need to have a chat at any moment when something has gone wrong and I think that that's important and also 
reliability on the dull stuff too you know the kind of i know that this with this boss i will get a one-to-one i will get coaching i will get feedback i can be relied upon to deliver that kind of you know the whole boss experience i guess yeah brilliant and you're right you know what's tedious to me is signing off a holiday form is hugely instrumental to somebody and you know if i don't get my holiday signed off i'm kind of in this state of uncertainty so it's the really simple things isn't it and, and yeah. holding regular one-to-ones and not cancelling at the last minute and I know we've talked about that before but it is that consistency I think that's a brilliant one yeah so now I think is a great point for our one minute brilliant review yeah so <clears throat> here are some, some of the kind of key things that we've pulled out in that chat is so being a brilliant boss is about committing yourself to helping people to be the best that they can be it's about being invested in and getting real satisfaction from your team's success um, it's about being reliable, doing that day-to-day housekeeping, team stuff like one-to-ones, setting objectives, being clear about what you want and completing reviews. It's also about noticing, spotting what people do well, noticing when someone needs help or a boost in confidence or a bit of a support. Um, it's about giving feedback, positive and constructive, but getting the balance right. It's about coaching and career planning, not being afraid to talk about the future when people might move on from your team, but supporting them in reaching those career aspirations. It's about challenging people and seeing their potential. And I would also say that it's critical to know when to sit back and listen and let people talk or vent or find their own way, but when to step forward and take a more active role in supporting. So it's simple, really, Gail. It is simple. And we're not talking about creating cardboard cutouts of the brilliant manager, are we? We're just talking about people bringing themselves to work, but being the best they can be when they're managing people. Yeah. The other one that I would just add in there, just thinking about it, and it's just sprung to my mind, it's from uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. And I mean, this is a good uh, basis for anybody to to, to live their lives by. But um, as a boss, um, I think that phrase, be loyal to those not present is so important because it's absolutely fundamental to the trust in the relationship so would you defend the person in the room speak well of the person who's not in the room if you're someone that will happily tell someone all the bad things about someone because just because they're not there to hear it that's not a very loyal thing so that sense of be loyal to those not present i think is a really really good way to live your 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 kind of principled life as a boss yeah, there's nothing more um, demotivating than feeling like your boss is going to slag you off as soon as you leave the room and, exactly. and don't have your back. So love that one. Great one to finish with. Thank you, Claire. If you'd like to see a whole range of tips on being a brilliant boss, you'll find several downloadables on our website, peopletopia.co.uk. You'll find us on LinkedIn and we do loads of regular posts about all things leadership and management. So follow Peopletopia on LinkedIn. We offer a range of programs for existing and aspiring leaders and managers. And so let us know if you'd like to find out more about that. All the info about how to get in touch with us is on our website or in LinkedIn. And join us next month for another brilliant Bosses podcast. So you should now be able to say with confidence, I now know how to not be an awful boss and I know what it takes to be a brilliant boss. (music) 